Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? Today, we are continuing our interview series. Guys, I am so excited to introduce to you our Type 5 guest, George Thomas. So great to be here with you guys. <laughs> so when we were talking, when me and Amanda were talking about who that we wanted on the show as our type five guest, we we were at a little bit of a loss because we we I felt like I had the sense like there's there's somebody God has somebody that's gonna just be magic. I know it. And Amanda mentioned that she thought you might be a five. She wasn't even sure that you were a five. <laughs> and and I I remembered that you spoke in a class that I was in like five years ago. And I was like, yeah, that guy's awesome. Ask him. Oh. And and it was a stretch. And we were like. Fingers crossed it works out. And, <laughs> and you're here. Well, I'm glad to be here. I know when, when you guys asked me, it definitely is a stretch for a five. You know, mm-hmm. this is far outside of my comfort zone. Yes. For sure. Yeah. But I was also super honored yeah. and super passionate about the Enneagram. So I was like, you know what? Let's Just going to go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Um, thank you for being willing to stretch outside of your comfort yeah, zone. I know like we work together um, doing musicals of all things, <laughs> which would is probably really random to listeners, but I've been in some musicals and George like wrote the like plot and script screenplay is that the right uh script script yeah yeah for for them and they were just brilliant so i already knew that you were brilliant i love i mean i really love um the plots of these musicals that we've done yeah but yeah so when we were thinking about the five i was just like i know that george is brilliant he's he's an amazing writer um i think he's a five from the things that you've post about and it seems like you not only were a five but like really had an eye into what experience is specifically as a five Mm -hmm. and understood you know like at a certain level um what that experience was and then from things that i've seen you post it seems like you also were able to verbalize that well not only understand it but verbalize it and so i was like Man, I this I just can't think of anyone else that I would want to interview and dive into their mind and be like, what is it like? Because also fives are, you know, like they're they're mysterious to me. They're very mysterious because I don't know, you know, like they're very private. Yeah, Yeah. very much so. And so I've always wanted to know, like, what is it like? Five and so yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, people used to always say that they didn't really know me, but then my I married an eight, and she pretty much just lives our life out on social media. Yeah, and so uh, she does the posting. I I had to, uh, you know, I've gotten used to like things that people never knew about me, just sort of being blasted out there. Yeah, but so good. I love that. So, in true five fashion, uh, I don't know just a ton about you um, outside of 
you spoke in one of my classes and what you share <laughs> on social media. I know um, you you work at Gateway. I do. And uh, and you, you're married and you have children. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your life, what you do. Tell us about the musicals because Amanda mentioned them and I want to hear about that. I'm super curious. I, yeah. I love Gateway musicals. Aww. So I, I, I just... So glad. Uh, but I, w- I want to hear about that and, and just uh, hear about a little bit about your family too. Okay. Um, so yes, I am married to a wonderful amazing woman uh her name is emily and she is a total enneagram type eight mm-hmm. and we have a four almost five-year-old uh adorable little boy named clive he's so cute thank you he's a <laughs> lot of fun um okay so i grew up in chicago i was born and raised there and after graduating from high school i came to dallas and attended christ for the nations institute then I went, moved back home, and then in 2005, uh, long story, but ended up moving back here to Dallas um, to work at Gateway in the media department as a staff writer and an editor, and did that for, gosh, eight years. Wow. Um, and then freelanced for about two years, and then came back back on staff at Gateway in 2016. Okay. Um, in sort of my current, sort of kind of my current role, um, which is I work with one of the pastors uh, and assist him and help to coordinate the weekend service and then also oversee our performing arts department. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm just super blessed, blessed by my, my job, mm. my church, my friends, my family, uh, my wife and I, we met, we both worked at Gateway, and we met, and so we've been married for nine years now. Wow. Yeah. So I want to hear about how you got involved, kind of the story of how you started writing musicals. Okay, so when I was a kid, my parents definitely, I, I'm super grateful for it, but they exposed us to a lot of musicals. Um, my dad, one of his best friends, had grown up doing shows. He was a pastor as well. Our families just kind of grew up going to shows, seeing musicals, absolutely loved them because to me it marries two of my most favorite things, which is stories and music. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you get the emotions of the story and the emotions of music and you put them together and I'm like, it just takes it to the next level. It's like magic. It's like magic, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I mean, like who doesn't, well, I know some people don't love music, (laughs) but who doesn't love music? Um, (laughs) And most people love stories. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I I thrive on, I love like inhale stories. Um, (laughs) You know, read tons of fiction which is such a classic five thing i think it's you know true. we talk about not stereotyping but that, no it, there I, is I, I think there's to, to that, that. Yeah. yeah you know and and tv shows and movies and to me i'm like but i love music as well mm-hmm. um and to me what i love about musicals is just that it, it takes those things and puts them together so i think i've i just have always loved them so much you know when i was younger my cousins and i would we would stage musicals in our basement, you know, um, just like, you know, amateur ones. But we would see musicals that our church would put on and we would imitate them and kind of, you know, we'd put out the technical. We do everything we could to, like, make it, yes. you know, legit. And so uh, when I was a worship pastor, um, part of my job was, OK, what are you guys going to do? What are we going to do for Christmas? What are we going to do for mm. Easter? 
And Why, that always falls on like the worship pastor, which is so funny because it's really not the same. It's not. It's not role. the same like skill set. Yeah. You yeah. know, but in most churches, mm-hmm. that's just the way. It's like mm-hmm. if you're the worship pastor, it's like oh, arts. Yeah. All anything that's artistic falls in that role. You know. Yeah. And yeah. so definitely started working on things there. Um, you know, I, another thing I love is Christmas. Like I listened to Christmas music pretty much 11 months out of the year. Um, <laughs> wow, that is, I mean, that That's is a awesome. love. No, I do. Like, the only time of the year I wait, don't listen wait, to Christmas music we, yeah, is what's the January. Month? It's January. Yeah. Ah. Wow. I pretty much am like, okay, I need a break. And then come February, I'm like, okay, <laughs> February, I'm ready again fine. to listen to it. Um, so musical marries my love of stories, music, and Christmas. Christmas musicals, especially. Yeah. Um, and so I just started doing that, and then I moved here. And at the time, the church really hadn't done any shows or musicals. And um, one of my friends, who was one of the pastors, he was over worship at the time. He contacted me and one of the other worship pastors, uh, Walker Beach, and was like, hey, you know, we'd love a Christmas production. Can you guys get together and write something for this year? And that was in 2006. And so we wrote a show. Little did he know that he was like putting together a dream team. (laughs) Like, cause yeah. for real. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so we wrote a play, a Christmas play called The Elevator, and that was in 2006. And then pretty much every year since, yeah. uh, other than last wow. year because of COVID, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I've been involved in doing some kind of Christmas show. Yeah. Which, okay, so this is this is something that I think is interesting uh, as far as being a five. Yes. yes. Bring it in. Because I feel like... You know, everything I read about, they're like, they're in their head, they're in their head. And, and that it's true. Like, I think a lot of times my wife is like, so how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I don't know, but I can tell you what I think about it. Oh, interesting. You know? Yeah. Or, or maybe even, I can tell you what I think I feel about it. Right. You know? Mm. But it takes me a while to kind of get to the place where I like totally tap into, okay, what am I feeling? You know? It takes yeah. me a while to kind of get to that spot. Except when it comes to stories and worship. Mm. And in those cases, I'm like, I like feel all the feelings, you know? So, like, mm. I'll watch a movie. I'm like, ball or, you know, read a book yeah. or be in worship and just, like, you know, start crying. There's something that, to me, like, as a five, I feel like those things just kind of slip past mm-hmm. my head. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I love them so much and why I love, I think, using them as a communication tool for other people because I feel like it gets past those defenses. Yeah. Even if you don't realize that they're defenses, you know, it just kind of, it slips past and it touches you at a heart level beyond the head level, Mm -hmm. you know, music and stories. All right, let's dive into Enneagram. Okay. All right. So where did you first come across the Enneagram and kind of what was your journey of learning about it and, and just that initial like encounter with the Enneagram? So I don't remember where exactly I heard about it first, but I want to say it was probably, gosh, three, four years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's when it kind of yeah. started becoming a part of like, you know, mm-hmm. the collective conscious. First time I heard about it, I was like, what is this? So, of course, I Googled it and was like, I'm going to find out everything I possibly can about this, which is a very five thing to do. <laughs> As, um, as the fives do. 
You know, and at first I was like, Enneagram, and then I saw the diagram, and I was like, oh, is this cultish? Because it looks like a pentagram, but it's not. It's got the word gram in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then I you know, I dove into it a little bit more, and uh, and then I was like, no, this is just, it's a, it's a personality typology. Yeah, so I, you know, kind of dove into it, and I was like, okay. You know, I read about it. I tried a couple online tests, but I'm like, no, these are not. They just they're, weren't. They're not great. They're tests. not good yeah. tests. You know. Did you ever like? W- did you have other numbers that you tested? I as? did. I don't remember what they were, but I'd always like end up with one, and I'm like, that's not me. Mm. You know. And so I think for me, what really, really kind of where the light bulb kind of went off, and where I was like, oh, this is amazing, and it's a great tool, and it's going to help me understand people and myself was. Um, when I read The Road Back to You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I absolutely love that book. I feel mm-hmm. like it is such, I know there's a lot of great books out there, but to me, it was for me my best kind of introduction to it all. I had yeah. read about it in a bunch of other ways, but for me, it was, it laid it out the most clearly. Mm-hmm. And from a worldview, spiritual worldview, that, you know, I was like, okay, this is, she's writing from the same worldview that I have. And when I started reading about the types and the motivations and just the way the way they both explain it, it just it clicked for me. And I was like, and, th- and when I read the chapter on the five, I was like, oh my gosh, they're like reading my mail. I'm like, I've never like felt this understood, you mm, know. Mm-hmm. And 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 I read my and then I you know read the chapter on eight, and I was sitting there sitting in bed reading it, and I told my wife, I was like. Oh my gosh. Because everyone had told her she's a one. Mm. And oh, I was like, wow. okay, I can see that. But then when I read the eight chapter and the motivations, I was like, babe, you've got to read this chapter. I was like, I don't think you're a one. I'm pretty positive you're an eight. You know? And so yeah. I handed the book over to her. She like sat and read it. And she was like, yeah. She was <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I feel like this book read my mail. It was like my childhood and everything, you know? So then I was like, okay, this is this is really good. So then I started buying more books and just reading about it and, you know, following meme accounts on Instagram, <laughs> Enneagram meme accounts, yes. you know, cause I was like, okay, this is, you know, that's a lot of fun. But then I feel like being able to just talk to people in the world and be like, you know, for people who are familiar with it, when you find out someone's number, I know there's the tendency, which is like, you can put people in a box and it can be done kind of the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm like, it also, I think to me, it helps me understand people better, helps me relate to them better. Um, if they know what their number is, and even if they don't, I feel like just the way I view people in, is different in that I can be like, okay, why is this person behaving the way they're behaving? You mm-hmm. know, before I think I would just kind of be like, it was a little more black and white, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it kind of opens up the possibilities. Even if you don't know someone's number, it just like y- you have a different set of questions. Yes. Now. Yeah. Because yeah. then you're like, why is this person behaving that way? It's not so much looking at their behavior. It's like, I think the Enneagram is like, it looks at motivations. And I think considering the motivations of each person that you encounter, you're like, okay, it gives you more grace for them. It gives you more understanding, more empathy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's great in family relationships, friend relationships, work relationships, parenting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, marriage. Um, there's there's so many 
things that I feel like it's just, it's an amazing tool, just like Mm -hmm. other tools that are out there, like Myers-Briggs and Strengths Finder and Disc and, you know, all of them Mm -hmm. under the sun. Like they're all tools and they're helpful tools and they just help us understand each other. Not necessarily putting people in boxes, but just saying, okay, there's some commonalities among people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every single person is unique. God created them uniquely. Mm-hmm. And they have different strengths and weaknesses and different ways based off of their upbringings and their childhoods and their life experiences, how they respond to things. But I think there's definitely some commonalities across the board. Yeah. Yeah. So in learning about the Enneagram Type 5, what have you resonated with the most? Uh, the energy aspect of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I... uh you know, I read something yesterday, which I was like, was so interesting, but it was like, you know, an extrovert goes throughout the week and when they're tired, they're like, you know what? I need to get around people and get recharged. Uh, they're like introverts yeah. basically have, um, you know, hold on, <laughs> let me pull it up because I screenshot it. They said a type type five. Okay, so what I read yesterday said a type five's energy reserves can be compared to the battery life of a cell phone. Which I was like, I have told my wife that so many times. I was like, Mm -hmm. I literally feel like I'm the little iPhone indicator, and as the day goes on, I can sense like my battery dying. And then I, at some point, I'm like, I've got to plug in Mm -hmm. and recharge. Otherwise, I'm not going to be any good to you or to anyone else. But it said, uh, extroverts have all the energy they need to interact with people all day long. Introverts can last about 70 to 75% of the day, and then they need to go away to plug in and recharge. This was the part that struck me. Struck me. And it's type fives wake up each day with only 20 to 25% energy available to interact <laughs> with people before they experience what feels like catastrophic depletion. Most fives have a private place where no one is allowed, where they can plug in and recharge. Others can misinterpret your strong boundaries for privacy as not wanting to be with people, not understanding it is a need to recharge. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I was like, oh, I, as I've learned about the five, I was like, these are things where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like life to me. Because I'm like, I so, it so puts into words things I've felt, never really understood. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know why I am that way. Yeah, I just know in comparison to my, my wife who's an eight and an extrovert, mm-hmm. yeah. I have a much more, much more limited and finite capacity to kind of relate to people. Now, I love relating to people. I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm not a type five who like wants to be by myself all the time. I actually love to be with mm-hmm. people and talk to people and um, you know, interact with people during the day, there's a level of energy I get from it. But at some point in time, I can feel like, okay, my battery is pretty much done now and I've got to get away and, you know, read a book or watch a movie or what, do the things that kind yeah. of re-energize me, which to me is like plugging my battery in. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good to go for the next day. So good. So there's so much there. Um, so one uh, kind of clarifier on extroversion to introversion every just just in case you're you're an extrovert or an introvert and you're like i don't know that i fully relate to all of that um 
there is so many varying levels of extroversion and introversion. Absolutely. And so, and there's, uh, there's so much extroversion and introversion is probably like the most misunderstood personality dynamic in the world. Um, because people feel like, Oh, well, if you're an introvert, then you don't even like being around people and you're really shy. You can be an introvert and not be shy at all. Right. Um, depending on the person. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're, if you're an extrovert, you're just super outgoing Mm -hmm. and you're really great at relating with people and you're really relational. And that's not always the case either. Right. So, um, so, but if you are a healthy extrovert, you know that you need alone time. Mm-hmm. And depending on so many other factors, you may be extroverted and actually need a lot of alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think it's highly unlikely that for someone to be an extrovert and be a five. Uh, I, 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 I've I been know. looking for. I've been looking for that. I haven't found anyone yet. Wow. Yeah, it is yeah. possible. But I've wondered. I've I'm heard like, of someone yes. who thinks that they are, but I don't know that person directly. <laughs> I've never directly met someone I that either. is a five and is an extrovert. And I, I think it's. I think that it's would, very that would unlikely. Be so interesting. It would be. It would be so interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated that by that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've literally been like trying to find someone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in in that experience of waking up in the morning on you got twenty twenty five percent battery, maybe how much of that for you do you believe is like actual energy that you possess, and how much of it for you is a fear of depletion? and an imagined limitation. So that's something that I have been wrestling with. Mm. It, you know, it's it feels real. Very very real, mm-hmm. you know. Um but then I think I think part of what I think to me it's like okay, it's one of those things where I'm like it's what a I relate to the most, but it's also what I know is probably one of my biggest weaknesses. Mm. If it is a weakness, I I know some people view it as a weakness, but I think what it is, is, is when I, I think it's the hoarding of that. Mm. That's a weakness. Um, Mm. But there's a balance there. Now, to me, it's interesting because I was like, I haven't read an Enneagram book written by a type five just yet. So Mm. I always feel like I'm like, do they really understand what it feels like yeah. or not? I don't know. Yeah. And it could just, that could just be me like, you know, covering that up. I don't know. Cause I'm like, it feels very, very real to me. And so I think one of the weaknesses is that, that, that hoarding of time. So like I, I manage my time. I will always, you know, I manage kind of our social calendar, mm-hmm. you know, for, for our, my fa- our family. Cause my wife is all like, she's like, I don't know if you're going to feel up to that, you know, but she's like, I'll let you speak into it. And then you can kind of choose like when we're going out with our friends, when we're not, because to me, I'm like, if I go out too many nights in a row, I'm like, I've got nothing left. And so yeah. I, I, I have to build in times to kind of, know when I'm going to recharge, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I know I'm going to be gone all day hanging out with friends and I'm like, okay, what are we doing the next night? Mm-hmm. The next night I need to make sure there's a dedicated amount of time, you know, yeah. that yeah. I can recharge. Yeah. So one of the, the ways that I feel like I've kind of come to understand it and, and maybe I read it somewhere, maybe I made this up. I don't know, but it, it's, um, well, I definitely read it somewhere, but, uh, the the five so much of life is lived in your inner world mm-hmm. and 
so the energy that you have to exert externally is finite because you put so much energy towards thinking, imagination, analyzing, research, and there's just this incredible energy for focus, uh, for, for analyzing, for, for creativity. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. And I think that's where a lot of times five still so misunderstood is people think they're just so low energy or low capacity or they're not accomplishing as much. Whereas you've accomplished more in your head throughout the day than most people have externally in weeks, you know? And, and so, uh, that for sure resonates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why don't you share a little bit of like what that looks like for you just to help us understand our five friends better. So, so when I was a kid, I read, um, I read the Sherlock Holmes stories and as a kid, I was like, I relate to this guy. Yeah. I know he's a fictional character, but I'm like, he, he lives in his head. Yeah. And the stories to an unhealthy degree, you know, but there were parts of it where I was like, oh my gosh, this character, it's, it's what I feel like, you know, I feel like so much of like how he processes, how he views the world. I was like, this, this, whoever wrote this, I was like, this guy gets me. Um, and I think I do. I, there's, there's, there's never a time. I, I tell my wife, I was like, the only time my brain shuts off is when I am able to kind of get sucked into a story. And so that's why I, for me, that's how I recharge is by reading a book or watching a movie or watching a TV show. Because to me, I'm like, when I'm, when I'm really drawn into a good story, I was like, I'm not thinking about like five different things all at the same time. Yeah. But I feel like outside of that, uh, there's always like scenarios running in my head. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, for me, I've, I'm a five wing six. Yeah. So there's even Mm -hmm. a, maybe a greater degree where mm-hmm. I'm also looking at like, okay, where are all the danger zones? Where are all the points? What are, you know, yeah. what are all the ways this could go wrong? And what can we do to kind of counteract that or counterbalance that or avoid that? So there's a lot in life where I think I, I'm kind of running all these calculations of possibilities as well as potential yeah. pitfalls. Yeah. And yes, it is definitely it. You know, I finished the day and I'm like, okay, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm like, I just need to kind of st- stop and and rest and recharge. And then I'm like, good to go again. It's like my battery's, you know, my t- my tank's been filled again. That's been my experience. Now, whether it's true of every five, I, it sounds like this is something five struggle with, mm-hmm. um, or at least deal with. Um, but I know that's true for me. Yeah. And I think it looks different for different fives, mm-hmm. different Myers-Briggs types, different, different mm-hmm. strengths. Um, like, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've met several INFJs that are fives and, um, a INFJ five is going to be totally different than an INTJ five or mm-hmm. an ISTJ five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I think, you know, wings matter, but I think across the board, a five is going to relate to that where yeah. they have lived more of their life in their head than mm-hmm. people will ever see. And I think that can almost be a frustration at times, um, of man, so much of my life lived, people aren't going to understand and, and they're not going to appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I feel like 
about 10% of what I think actually is verbalized just wow. in life in general. <laughs> yeah. You wow. know? Yeah. It's fascinating. Okay. So in learning about the Enneagram, what has challenged you the most? I think it goes back to the energy thing. Cause to mm-hmm. me it's okay. Am I trying to, am I trying to manage things on my own? Am I trying to be in control mm. or am I being obedient? I think that's the tension that I that I struggle with, um, or I'm constantly having to wrestle with that tension, which is, you know what? There's times where I may feel like I'm depleted, I'm exhausted, but God's like, no, you need to have that conversation with that person mm. because that's what that person needs, and He's yeah. like, I'm going to give you the strength. So I think it's 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 learning to trust and be dependent sort of in my weakness mm-hmm. on his strength that's that's the tension that I feel like I'm always having to kind of wrestle with and deal with yeah. being obedient being submitted trusting and being dependent and not trying to be in control myself mm. um, not but letting. then also but not ignoring that either because I think God did create me that way mm-hmm. so it's it's does that make sense absolutely so I think what what you're processing is okay so God has created me a certain way. I'm wired a certain way. And uh, there's a gift and a strength in that. But because of my wounding, because of the trauma I experienced, and because I'm wired this way, I was more prone to believe in a lie that brought about unhealthy motivation mm-hmm. and caused me to live my life motivated by fear to protect myself and control my environment by projecting what could go wrong and trying to trouble like prevent it before it happens or prepare for the worst or uh, by setting really harsh boundaries or staying more private than Mm -hmm. I need to in order to protect myself from being depleted. And so you're processing, Oh, there's some underlying lies. There's some underlying fear motive here that the Lord wants to heal me from, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that God has wired you to live most of your life in your head. Right. And there is a strength to it. It's just not letting the enemy take that strength and keep you from living the full life that that God has for you in relationship with your wife and your child and in 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 in, in community with others. And so um it that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I mean I feel like both with the Enneagram and if the strengths, strengths finders. Mm-hmm. I feel like any strength taken to an extreme becomes a weakness and becomes unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's really finding okay, what it, where, 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 how can I live in health? Yeah. Um, function in my strengths and really trust God and be dependent on Him and my weaknesses, as well as the people in the community around me who may have different strengths, you know, where I'm weak. Yeah, and absolutely. relying on them. Yeah. So what, what, uh, speaking of strengths, what are your strengths and your, your Myers-Briggs tribe, if you know it or disc or any other personality info? I love it all. Um, okay. So it's interesting because the first time I took the strengths finders test was in 2006. Um, and my top five strengths were, um, learner input, ideation, intellection, and strategic Strategic was my first one, and then the other ones were in that other order, mm. um, which are all very cerebral kind of yeah. strengths. And, that, you know, they play some in quadrants, and so those are all kind of in the that one quadrant there. The strategic thinking. Yes. 
Which is another reason why I think Lyric is a five because three of his, I think he has strategic. I'm not actually sure about that one, but learner and input for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think he has analytical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we're... Sorry. We're trying no, to figure out if he's a five or a nine. No, yeah, we, we were talking about this yeah, before we got like here. We were thinking about doing like a whole episode of just figuring out <laughs> what lyric, lyric. is. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Um, then I took it again six or seven years later. Okay. And it, it changed. And individualization was my number one. Um, Which wasn't even in your top five before. No. Individualization relator mm-hmm. was my number two. Learner and inputs were still there. And then I think the last one was gosh, what was it? Developer? Developer. I you know, when I when I read the descriptions for any of them, the first five the first time and the second five the second time, I'm like, all of these are true, you know. Yeah. Um but I feel like individualization's super, super, super true. Like it's, yeah. it was my number one. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because I feel like, you know, I get energized by interacting with people one on one. Yeah. When I interact with people in a group, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like there's a level of of being a chameleon a little bit, mm-hmm. where where when I'm talking to someone. I sort of respond to them in whatever way they're responding to me. Yeah. But I feel comfortable communicating that way. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can communicate with you the way you're communicating with me. And that's great. When I'm with a group of people, I'm like, I don't know how to respond. There's too many. There's too many. There's too many people. Well, how many colors do, do I do? change? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you throw a chameleon wow. on something that's multicolored and you're like, Oh, what do you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so well, in, in individualization, they're, they're passionate that people are uh, treated specific to who they are who as they an are. individual yes. and in in specific situations yes. and not just across the board. Yes, and so they they lean away from black and white thinking. Yes, and more into situational and gray thinking. Mm-hmm. And they also are really gifted at seeing what makes people unique and special, and calling out the gifting in them and empowering them in those giftings. Which I'm super passionate about that. Super, that. super passionate about that. that. Which is one of, one of the reasons why I'm like, the Enneagram's great. Because yeah. it helps you understand that better about people. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, to me, one of my favorite things to do is to figure out, okay, what are people good at? And then help them kind of flourish in their giftings and in their strengths. Yeah. You know, there's so much satisfaction and fulfillment and joy in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is a gift. Because not everyone can do that. So that's like a huge gift. And then, yeah, I mean, and mm-hmm. then, you know, the other two kind of people strengths, relator and developer. I'm like, oh, it kind yeah. of ties into that, yes. you know. Yeah. For sure. So what's interesting about my Myers-Briggs is I'm always an I. Always. So there's no doubt in my mind I'm an I. Yeah. The other three letters can change yeah. for me depending on what season of life I'm in. Yeah. Um, and even when I look at like when I take tests and I see the percentages, it's like my I is like. Super high, like seventy mm-hmm. percent, and my E is like thirty percent. But all the other ones are like forty-five, fifty-five. Yeah, mm-hmm. could go either way. You know, forty-eight, fifty-two, forty-nine, fifty-one, mm-hmm. and so it can go either way. I think um, most recently, I think probably the last time I took it, which is probably a few years ago, I think I was an ISFP, which is interesting. I don't totally oh. that doesn't totally like jive with no. me. 
but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't assume you would be an ISFP, but um, that's a conversation for uh, maybe not this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, that that fascinates yeah. me. I want so, to pick but, that apart know, and help you I find know out those other three site. letters. It, it can, it's right there on the verge. Yeah. Um, are there any stereotypes of being a five that you don't relate to? I think it's the it's the people side of things. Like yeah. I I actually do love to be around people. Um, you know, like when we do musicals, like coming to rehearsals, like yeah. my wife would be like, I'd come home from rehearsals and be like giddy, like I yeah. like I'm on a like a like a high, mm-hmm. you know. And it takes me a while to kind of come down from that. I like for some reason, like I don't those things don't deplete me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm super energized by that, so I'll come home and I won't be tired. And I'll be like, "Oh, I'm like good for the night." Ne- you know, I will come at like eleven o'clock, and I'm like, "I'm good for like three hours, four hours." You know, <laughs> Let's go. it's gonna take me, it takes me a while to kind of come down from that. I love that. But on the flip side, there's other situations where I'm like, "Okay, gosh, I'm so exhausted." You know, I think social situations yeah. deplete me. Mm-hmm. Um, small talk tends to deplete me. Yeah. Um, when when it's something substantial or good or being able to work toward a goal. Like mm-hmm. a show, you know, like it, there's a common purpose. You, you, there's there's a, I guess it's task ish, but there's a common goal. When I'm, when there's a goal, I, I get super energized. It's it's. I I wonder if it's that you have very very small select energy to put towards things that you're not interested in. Yes, and endless energy towards, towards the things, things that you're that interested, I am in. interested in. And yeah. if yes. people are involved in the thing that you're interested in. You're still interested in it, so you yes. have all the energy in the world. Yes. I think that's so dead on. Oh, that's good. I've never thought about it that way. That's great. Yay. No, I think that's totally true. Yeah. And yeah. so the things that I'm not really interested in, it's it is a major effort. Mm-hmm. And which and that can sound very of, brutal and be very misunderstood when it comes to getting to know new people. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's not that yeah. you don't want to get to know new people. It's right. not that you don't care about them, but for you to be interested in the re- the relationship and invested, you have to get past enough mm-hmm. to to hit like like the gold in the relationship. Yes. And it takes so much energy to get there. Yeah. And, wow. and I think that's so hard for fives. Yes. Yes. I think that is totally accurate. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I'm like, I don't relate to. Oh, like there's a perception of fives that they are like not touchy or not, mm. you know, and I'm like, that's not true of me, actually. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. It could be that I, I grew up in a church and, and a family that was very physical. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm like, I love hugging people. I love, you know, uh, to me, physical touch is a big deal. Yeah. I feel like God created us that way, honestly. Yeah. I feel like he yeah. He touched, you know, you read the Gospels, it's like, he touched people. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah. there's there's an aspect of that that I think is is missing a lot in our society and church. So I think that's a stereotype. I think the detachedness that fives are viewed as being like cold and clinical and analytical, I think. There's an aspect, like when I said, you know, for me, I think tapping into, okay, what am I feeling in this moment mm-hmm. is, a, is, is harder for me. It takes a little bit more kind of digging and introspection and kind of being like, okay, what am I, what am I feeling? I don't know. It may take me a while to kind of get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the same time, I don't feel detached or clinical or analytical. I feel like I'm still engaged in people in their lives. I'm interested in, in, in what's, what's happening. Um, there's a level of objectivity that I think I have sometimes. Yeah. 
um, where when people are going through things, I feel like I view it a little bit more objectively. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like as a, like a kudos to me. I just I, I think I view it that way. Yeah. Where to me, emotions, I'm like I understand the emotions. I get the emotions. Mm. But okay, here's the pros. Here's the cons. Here's yeah. the challenges. Here's the you know here's a path forward. Um, I kind of view it that way a little bit. Like maybe mm. you're able to like separate the emotional aspect of the situation and then look at the actual situation and then, you know, understand the, the emotional part, but you yes. can see it yes. all like, yeah. Like I don't, I don't despise the emotional part of it by any yeah. means. Yeah. There's value. God made us with emotions, you know, and they're hugely, I mean, they're, they're part of who we are to me. You can't divorce, yeah. you know, the mind from the heart. Yeah. To me, they, they work in conjunction with each other. But I definitely feel like I function a little bit more on the, you know, when I'm approaching situations, a little bit more from the mind side of things. Mm-hmm. You tend to trust your thoughts over your, your feelings. Yes. Mm. I. And so yes. as data. <laughs> yes. In, in processing. Absolutely. Your perceptions, how you're encountering the world, how in making decisions, the data that you receive from your thoughts and from logic. And the data that you receive from your heart, you're still interacting with both, but you don't value them the same way naturally. Totally. So like when I, something happens to like at work and I, and I feel disrespected by something that someone has done, or I feel overlooked or whatever, I will feel those feel, I'll feel that, but usually not always, there's times where I will respond based off of how I'm feeling. But a lot of times I'll be like, okay, wait. Let me take a step back and be like, is that really what was happening? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what that person's motivation was. Yeah. So then I can generally be like, okay, let's process through the emotion or at least, you know, kind of let the emotion kind of like settle down a little bit in order to respond. And and I'll approach it a little bit more, a little bit more, I think, objectively, maybe clinically. Um, But I also feel like but with empathy toward being like, and, hey, this other person it, might have a different. And, and I think those descriptions and that stereotype is born out of other types in relation to to a type five, mm-hmm. the the contrast. Mm-hmm. And so those are yeah. very extreme words. Yeah. And in a lot of Enneagram content, they can be uh, Enneagram teachers, writers have been historically very harsh. Uh, very, very extreme in their descriptions, very dramatic. Yes. And my goal is to, to teach the Enneagram with kindness. I love that. In a way that people can actually That's learn so from good. it and receive it. Yeah, um, yeah I think, because I've known people who be like, oh gosh, I'm that type. I don't want to be that type. No one wants to That's be terrible, their type. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I'm like, wait, but look, focus on the positive aspects There's of this. There's so many good things. There's so many good things, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And so you have the emotion you are an emotional human being you are a person with emotions that rise to the surface and you just choose to not act out of that emotion um, instinctively and to take time before you express that you have that emotion externally because again you have limited external energy to deal with people mm-hmm. especially if you're not interested in conflict is not something you're interested in taking your time on you have so many other interests why would you, I don't want to deal with this darn emotions coming to the surface I got to deal with this, this is inefficient and yes. I am all about efficiency and and so and and so for other people that 
act out of their emotions instinctively and trust their emotions more than even logic. They, they, they go by what they feel. Mm -hmm. Um, that feels clinical and that's going to come across to them that way. And, and so I think it's so beautiful being able to hear your experience of that and what that looks like for you and being able to communicate that in a full way from somebody's actual living perspective rather than throwing around big dramatic words just to try and get a, the feel for what makes the types different. And so I, I absolutely love that. Yeah. One thing that I'm super curious about uh, is what your experience is like as a five wing six mm-hmm. who is married to an eight wing seven. Uh, when it it comes to and and I would anticipate she would probably push you in in this or through your marriage you has learned to not but uh, one way or the other but uh, both both uh, five wing six uh, is very slow to make a decision extremely slow Mm mm-hmm and they will stew on and deliberate on mm-hmm. and process and research and think through every possible option because they don't want to be caught off guard. They don't want to be unprepared. They don't want worst case scenarios to happen. So they have to think through every possibility because they want to be sure of their decision. And so what happens is for that specific personality type is they may have dreams that they've sat on for years and not acted on. Mm-hmm. They may have, they may be planning a family vacation and spend way too many hours trying to select one activity. Um, yes. <laughs> and and for an eight, they are going to find that naturally infuriating yes. because eights are first to action and they're all about empowering others. So as an eight that loves you, I'm sure she is, I want you to do all the things that you love and you feel called to and let's just make a decision fast because this is what efficiency looks like for yes. me. And both types are very efficiency driven, yeah. but the definition of efficiency is different. Yes. And so I want to, I want to hear about that dynamic because that's so fascinating no, to me. It's so interesting because you're right. We both are, we both like efficiency is like key, but it manifests, manifests totally differently. When we first got married, um, strategic was my number one and strategic was her number one, but it manifested very differently wow. oh, man, yeah. based off of our priorities. Mm-hmm. And so we would approach house projects and tasks and things like that opposite. And there was a lot of conflict, you know? Mm. Wow. Um, and, but then we're like, cause I'm like, no, this is the most strategic way. And she's like, no, this is the most strategic way. And we both would see it, but from different angles. And it was hard to see the other person's perspective, you know? I actually wonder if that's why strategic isn't in your top five anymore, because um, oh. you didn't need that strength as much to make That's those decisions. Very possible. Um, and you may have just pulled on other strengths to balance her out in other areas, and she kept that strength and leaned more in that space. That's very possible. Um, you know, she always says she's like, "I'm the accelerator." Talking about herself, she's like, "And you?" And and she says that I, me, I'm the breaks in our relationship (laughs) she's like you need both to drive a car she was like but it's really not healthy when you're trying to hit both of them at the same time yeah Yeah. she's like that's when you cause engine troubles that is trying to hit the accelerator and the brakes at the same time it's metaphor it's so good she's great with metaphors she's a fantastic communicator but it's true she's always like go 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 do 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 
these are all the plans. These are all our dreams. This is what we need to activate on. And I'm like, whoa, have we thought through this? Have mm-hmm. we, you know, mm-hmm. so there's, there's, a, there's tension that we're always kind of working through. And maybe early in your marriage did that. The breaks, putting up the breaks and not expressing initial enthusiasm for dreams. Did yes. that feel like, oh, but you don't believe in me? Yes. Yes. I think that as well as what's wrong with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Obviously, I'm having the best ideas in the whole world and we should move forward. You know, yeah. like and and she is she's she's very expressive and Ooh. I'm I'm not. And so she'll have a she'll have a fantastic idea. And she'll be like, hey, literally this happens every single day of my life. I hear her say these words, which is, I've got an idea every day, <laughs> almost without fail. And usually it's like, hear me out. And so then she'll like, we could do this and we can move, you know, right now. She, there's, there's constant rearranging of our house and furniture and things like that. She's like, we can move this here and this here and this here. She's like, don't knock it down just yet. She's like, just, mm-hmm. just think about it, you know. And there's times where... In my slower processing deliberative way, I'll be like, yeah, that's not a bad idea, which in my language means that's a great idea. Mm. But she's like, what do you mean that's not a bad idea? She's like, that's a fantastic idea. (laughs) You know, Um, so so I'm I'm slowly learning and be like, I'll be like, that's not. That's a great idea, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and something that I think is really helpful in, in that dynamic is for um, for you to be able to be like, initially, I think that is a great idea. I'm going to need a couple days to process it. And then I'll let you know my real thoughts. Yes. And I think for me, too, I also I, I see all the ways it could go wrong. Yeah. And I'm not great at this always, but I'll be like, I'll point that out and that'll be the first thing I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very common in those types of relationships. And so what's yeah. happening there is there's a spark and I'm dousing water on it. Yeah. Um, and that's usually where, you know, a lot of our fights will happen. You know, yeah. there's mm-hmm. something going back to what we were saying before. I think a lot of our fights also happen when I do respond to something out of emotion negatively mm-hmm. um, and not, I don't take the time to be like, wait, hold on. Did she mean that by how she said that? Did I perceive it based off of a certain tone or whatever? When I slow down and take the time, I'm like, no, she doesn't think that. But in the moment, I can interpret something the wrong way, you know, especially if I've had a rough day at work or if I'm tired or whatever. And so whereas at work, I would respond to it very differently and much more objectively. Mm-hmm. At home, it's a lot. It's a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you're completely honest with your spouse. Yes. So it's hard. You don't want to. You don't want to hide how you feel. You don't want to hide that how feels you dishonest. feel. Yes. But so I think uh, one way to understand that dynamic that might be helpful is their ideas are like waves. There's a there's a wave to ideas, and for um, each type, that wave looks completely different. And for you, you do not verbalize the idea until you're on the tail end of the wave. And on the front end of the wave is everything that could possibly go wrong with it. And then you start to really see the potential and the possibility and it goes down and that's when you verbalize it. Mm -hmm. For types two, three, sometimes four, but less often seven, eight, sometimes nine their ideas come 
with a surge of energy, mm-hmm. positivity, and potential, and they will not ride the wave out if it's stopped. If there's if they encounter what, what's what's resistance or what could go wrong, they won't follow the creative idea. Oh, that's so good. And so you have to let yeah. them get to the bottom of it. And when they get to the bottom of the wave, then that's ready. when they start to think through what could go wrong. Yeah. But they're gonna need to verbalize it first because for especially if somebody has communication in their top five strengths, communication literally is you have an interpreter standing outside your mouth and you do not understand the thoughts in your head until they get outside. Yeah. And so no, if, if if somebody has communication in their top five and my wife they does can't have communication even, in their top five. Of course. So so they they literally cannot even begin to dream or process the idea until they verbalize it. So if they meet the resistance first, they'll never ride the wave. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. I think I feel like that happens with me in lyric too and and he does analyze. So he will be like I'll be like hey we should do this and he's like yes but this can happen this can happen mm-hmm. you have to think about this and i'm like can you just not <laughs> just let me let me live in the idea for a second yes. yeah. and then we can talk about all of this mm-hmm. but like but i will it will it's like crushing yeah. it's crushing to have an idea and think about the bad possibilities of it first because it's like oh i think i have this idea and then there's the bad the bad the bad the bad and then i'm like okay well i guess i should just never think about anything ever again and that's (laughs) you know i'm gonna create a post on this but like it's a good idea knowing that about lyric on the opposite side has also helped me be like okay just because he can see the bad parts of the situation doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just a normal, th- literally just yes. like a normal thing. Like yes. anything has good and bad. So when he does that, first of all, like I can learn to say, let's wait a second before we talk about that. <laughs> but then also be like, tell myself just because he sees those things doesn't mean it's bad either. Mm-hmm. And so it's like knowing both yeah. sides. And that's what, yeah. again, is beautiful about realizing all of this mm-hmm. is that we can like take this thing that could potentially be a conflict and then just realize, okay, you see it that way. I see it this way. But, you know, we can go from there. Yeah. So good. Yeah. One one potential uh way to grow for both types and that is um for the the six or the the five wing six to um for for you to be able to invite your wife into your processing sooner um as as you're in that stage of thinking through everything that could go wrong it can help pull out and 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 even so fives and sixes tend to weigh the negative data as being more valuable than the positive data. Yes. And they have equal value. And so your when wife... When I read reviews on Amazon, when I'm looking up a product, I read the one-star reviews first. And then yeah. I read the five-star reviews. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to know what's all the bad things that people are going to have experience with this. And there are times where I'm like, okay, that doesn't really hold up. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I will usually start there. That's mm-hmm. in- so interesting. And then, and then for her being able to bring you in sooner as well... 
um, not not at the f- the front of of the wave mm-hmm. of of the creation and the uh, just dreaming phase, but but as coming down off of that and and starting to process through yeah, that's good. what could go wrong, you've already thought of it, uh, but inviting you into that um, in that phase, and both of you have so much to offer one another in dreaming in in creating and building and doing amazing things in the world and for the kingdom of god um and so bringing each other into that process at different points within the process um which it's it's a hard dynamic but i i love this is why i love the enneagram (laughs) yes absolutely Mm -hmm. you know i feel like in marriage in friendships and workplaces, God does bring people with different strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Because it's like they complement each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Or they balance each other out. Because I'm like, yeah. her strengths are my weaknesses. My strengths are her weaknesses. We have some of the same strengths. We have some of the same weaknesses. Yeah. You know? But for the most part, it's like, okay, we're better together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God brought us together. And it's like, he knows, okay, together you are better which I feel like that's true for most people mm-hmm. you know we are better together because yeah. God made us that way yeah and I always say that like she is a she's a ready fire aim person yeah and I'm a ready aim 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 <laughs> aim yes. recalibrate aim okay fire yeah yeah well thank you so much thank for being on the guys. podcast you guys this has been so much fun I yeah. feel like this has we... been so much so much fun I'm yeah. so glad it has been such a joy to have you and thank you so much just for for sharing as much as you have and giving us such a uh, insightful look into the inner world of a type five it's been such an honor thank you it's definitely been my honor for sure all right well that's it for today i'm so grateful for those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast if you learned something new today if this ministered to you in some way please leave a review on itunes follow us on instagram and at just loves personality my personal personality page and at originality podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing i would like to close out our time together with a quote from c.s lewis no man who bothers about originality will ever be original Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.